Ladies and gentlemen, stand cheer for the Bulldog Fans Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt and Scott, on their way down the tunnel at ANZ Stadium, on their way to the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. Go up as one for Matt and Scott, the NRL Bulldogs Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Another week and another loss for Canterbury. I'm Scott and I'm joined by Matthew. How are you, mate? My thoughts exactly. Another week, another loss. Um, pretty disappointing. Before we dive into that, we'll uh, cover some injury news, what came out of that game. Corey Allen, who was stretched off the field in the second half. Uh, it's only, well, good, good news, somewhat good news. Grade 2 AC joint in his shoulder. He'll be out for the next two to three matches. He... Uh, adds to the list of injuries at Canterbury and suspended players who are unavailable for selection. But much uh, better news than when he, when he got stretched off, worried about his head, his neck, and everything like that. So for it to be a shoulder injury, a bit of a sigh of relief for everyone. Um, and Lachlan Lewis couldn't finish the game. He uh, suffered broken ribs in that match. Uh, no real time frame as yet uh, for his return, but uh, poor Lockie who gets plays two NRL games, can't finish them. He's been taken off the field twice at both both attempts. Doesn't help him looking for a new club, does it? No. I mean, he's, like you said, looking potentially, well, more than likely looking for another club. He spent four weeks out with the concussion. So he didn't get any New South Wales Cup matches in there. Then he played one New South Wales Cup match back into the NRL off the interchange bench and then injured again. I mean, it's unlucky, but uh, yeah. Uh just a, we'll go for a quick update uh, with Brendan Smith, the Melbourne Storm, the block, the hectic cheese. Uh, Bulldogs, uh, Trent Barrett has, uh, flew down to uh, meet with him uh, to, s- to try to get him to come to Canterbury next year. He's able to look around. He is contracted for the, until the end of next season with Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne, Craig Bellamy said that open for a trade deal to get a like-for-like type of player. Uh could uh, th- does that rule Canterbury out, or how are we going to work around this to get this to get the hectic cheese across? Well, I think you're implying there that we don't have a player of uh, of Melbourne Storm status to trade. Yes, um, that, I that's, think, that's yeah. what you're implying. Yeah, yeah? okay, yeah. cool. So the way this could work um, is because Brendan Smith's got next year contracted to Melbourne, but has been given permission to find um, a spot elsewhere if uh, Melbourne could get a like for like replacement so potentially it could be like a triangle effect or a, a square effect where we give a player to one club that gives up a player to another club that ends up getting a, a lock or a hooker to the Melbourne Storm. Interesting, interesting. No, because that might help us a little bit. Very messy though, eh? It becomes a bit of a block block and then how one person could ha- stop everyone moving the whole trade. Yeah, it's happened before though. There's plenty of... Um... Plenty of examples of it. Well, fair enough. I, I was thinking when he said that I was almost ruling the Bulldogs out because I don't think Craig Bellamy would pick many from that side, if any. I'm putting but, uh, Brandon Smith in it because um, every time that Trent Barrett lies about something, we end up with the player. <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> remember uh, a couple of weeks before we signed Brent Naden, he was having a catch-up copy of him because he just catches up with a lot of NRL players. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, then we come had... out and signed him. Um, and the apparently, paperwork was there. Just... Trent Barrett was just hanging around in Melbourne uh, for a couple of different things and decided to catch up with Josh Adokar and uh, Brennan Smith just happens to uh, walk in with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it'd be just interesting to see how this one plays out in the sense of if it is a direct uh, trade or if there's a couple of Canterbury players for the one. 
you know, it's yeah. like a two for one type of deal. Uh, I mean, you, Look, we, hopefully, we, hopefully we get him next year, and hopefully it's not a situation that we're currently having with Josh Adekar, where we have to wait the extra season. Yeah, that's true. And now we can dive into Sunday, Mother's Day. Uh, <laughs> Bulldogs going down to the St George Illawarra Dragons at Cogra. Uh, the Dragons wearing the, their old jersey to celebrate the was the hundred years of their hundred years of the St George Dra- uh, St George Dragons, no, the St George District Rugby League Football Club, the old St George mm. Dragons. Yeah, uh, they uh, winners thirty two twelve. Uh, I mean, there's not much, like you said, Will, when we're prepping for the show. There's not much to really say. Uh, so I'm just going to dive into one. My goodness gracious, what a boring half of football. The first half. The first 40 minutes was so boring that if you were still awake in the second half, you deserve the medal. That's how boring that was. Yeah. yeah, it's comparable to the games against the Broncos and the Cowboys earlier. You didn't figure you could get any worse, but there you go. First half of mm. Sunday was pretty bad. Oh, it was absolutely shocking. Uh, we've added, like we said, the injury tolls. So we've got people like Josh Jackson, Jaden Lockenball in the injury list uh, with Raymond Patala Mariner, Christian Crichton. You've got Jake Heverington on that list. Yeah. The list just keeps adding. Then you just add uh, Corey Allen, uh, Lachlan Lewis. Again, that list, he just got off that list, back onto it again. Uh, at this current point. So we, not just that we lost, uh, we had a few uh, players, a few wounded players, Walking off the mm. fi- uh, taking off the field that week, who are not available for selection this week at all. So, yeah, it was a catastrophic game. It was shocking, and that's pretty much all I had to say about the game. To be yeah, honest, yeah. Look, just to change it up a bit, um, you know, everything that was said in the last nine weeks, apart from that one win, <laughs> uh, applies to that game. So just go back, hit play on that if you want to listen to that again. <laughs> we won't get into it too much. Uh, there's yeah. a couple of weird decisions, though, by Trent Barrett, like having um, well, that's, yeah, Bradley Deeks and uh, Lachlan Lewis both on the interchange bench. I didn't quite understand that. Was he planning to hook Flanagan? Yeah. Did he go into know. the game with the opinion of, you know, we're going to hook Flanagan? Uh, apparently Flanagan has had some rib cartilage injury as well that he's been playing for. So that's obviously not helping the confidence and not helping uh, his, his game on the field. So maybe he he needs a couple of weeks out of the um, out of the team to get that right. Um, so that's really sad. Um, I felt for him when he got hooked. Felt for him again midweek with that press conference yesterday. That was pretty embarrassing for from a club's point of view, not yeah. from Kyle's point of view. Uh, I, thought, I thought he handled himself really well, but it was really disappointing that the club put him in that position. Apparently, the club told him not to. And he volunteered himself. Mm. He continued to push, so he, he wanted to be out there. Yeah. But um, sometimes um, welfare, somebody should step in and, oh, and yeah. stop it. Like, even, even if the player wants to go ahead, you don't let players go back on with concussion without mm. being checked. It's a similar type of thing. Obviously, the risks aren't as high, or maybe they are, mental health. But someone should have said to him, no, like, I know you want to do it, but give mm. this one a miss. Uh, especially with the, the couple of hours later news that he was dropped out of the team for this week, which we'll get into a bit later, but it wasn't a great look. And look, the club's done a lot of good things off the field. And um, whether it was his choice or the club's choice, uh, it wasn't a great look and perceptions matter. So 
Do that wasn't great. Really felt for him during that uh, conference. But yeah, I, I really questioned Trent Barrett's choice of having Lachlan Lewis on the bench just in regards to, like, was he expecting... You don't go... If you expecting your halves to play poorly, you just don't pick them, right? Mm. So then you pick them and put it back up on the on the bench. It just didn't seem to make much sense to me. Can I actually give a quick rep to Kyle Flanagan for that press conference? Because I like to... I don't like to see that at all. It actually broke my heart watching that and just seeing that clip of him breaking down. But I want to actually give a rap that some social media comments have been appalling towards him uh, from that video. Not going to go into detail about that. But I actually have a we have a player on our side who cares. He genuinely cares about how the performance of Bulldogs is going, and I'll take that every day of the week. Look, Having... ultimately, the reason that he's going to be a successful player is partially because what you saw. Yeah, during that press conference, and I don't know what social media post you've been seeing, but I want to give a wrap to Instagram, um, not on our pages, but on the Fox Sports pages that were really getting behind Kyle Flanagan. So I saw a lot of positivity for him. So oh, I, that, yeah. was, that was great to see. I don't, I don't know which ones you're referring to, but I'm lucky enough to not see any negative ones on it. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, it's a really sad moment, and. Um, you know, he wasn't late for this week, but I can't wait for him to be back. And I can't wait for him to start proving some of these doubters wrong. And um, I think he's got a big future ahead of him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then to add on to your Lachlan Lewis thing, if, uh, it's it's weird, Lachlan Lewis as well. He's not a halfback who could, you know, play a bit of hooker, uh, despite the fans thinking. He doesn't have that quickness about him. You know, when you have like a fiery half. Uh, like if you use, for example, if I could use Matt Burton from Penrith. He's got that speed about him, that game awareness, that freakish talent about him where he could come off the interchange bench or Benji Marshall still at his old age uh, where he could come on the field and just impact the game where he could just come on, change a few things if he's playing a hooker, playing an extra forward type of role or like you know extra 5-8 type of role. So when you look at those type of hearts, you look at Blake Austin years gone by when he did that really successful with the Raiders where he beat us at Belmore single-handedly off the interchange bench, injected and changed the momentum of the game. If you have one of those halves on the bench, you can kind of say, okay, you've you kind of got like three, four different options to how to use them. They're not, they could be playing hooker, they could be playing somewhere in the back row, adding that extra, you know, bit of X factor on the field, giving extra play, ball playing. Lachlan Lewis doesn't provide that. He just does not provide that. So if you're playing Lachlan Lewis, you play him in, in the starting halves and you start with him and that's it. That's how you play Lachlan Lewis. And Because if, if he's going to play well, all he's going to do is kick well, tackle hard. He's not going to set too much up. In this, he will try to set players in running, but he won't be your your uh, great try assist, awesome pass by local Lewis and try scored kick. No, he'll kick long, kick high. He's got a few good bombs. When he does play well, he's that's what he's going to get from him. Safety, really much a safe halfback, very rare try assists in between that. You'd need a 5'8 who's more better than that. So you, I don't, I didn't see where that was going. And like like you said, that's the only way I could see that being used is if one of them got hooked or if Will Hopawati got hooked and you just push Jake Averill at the centre to cover that. That's the only way. Mm. I could only see negativity well, you'd, around you'd have him to, on the bench. You'd have to think that he was always going to play in the halves off the bench, given the fact that when there was an injury to the centres... Um, no, sorry. Um, yeah, the Averill didn't go to centre. Mm. Lewis uh, went to centre when Averill and Flanagan were on the field in the second half. Yeah. So it, it just, I don't know. It, it, it really confused me, unfortunately. It's, one, it's probably one of the first times Trent Barrett's made a tactical decision. That I, it's dumbfounded me, really. And then you look, like, and we had Bradley Dietz on the bench anyway. Yeah. So well. they ruled out hooker anyway. But he just, Lachlan just does not have that type of half in his game where he can do that. 
Like, That's right. And if you're worried about injuries or whatever, you've got the 18th man now. So yeah. Lachlan Lewis could have been the 18th man to have an extra forward on the bench. Or Actually, off topic a little bit, just quickly, I had a little mind flicker in the car uh, yesterday. I would go with four big forwards on the bench or three big forwards and a hooker and then have an outside back as your 18th man. No longer carry the outside back. Yeah, that could actually rule out the winger or that centre on the interchange bench. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, moving on. That, What's that next? was interesting. I <laughs> uh, will go to the points. I uh, will go to the points. Funny enough, we actually have the same players who made the list just swapped around on each person's list. So bonus points galore tonight. Yeah. Been chucked around willy nilly. It's actually the first time in a while. The start we're giving them around all the time, but now. Yeah, I think it's been a couple of weeks, but yeah, we're back. Well, both back on the players, same. Yeah. Back, back on the same, same wavelength. Yeah. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll now... Uh, how do we do? I'll announce the one point, which is your two points, and you can announce the one point, who's my two points. That <laughs> okay. way we've announced... Just okay, sure. So my one point, your two points, is uh, Ranoff Atoni. 15 runs, 154 metres, 66 post-contact metres, three tackle breaks, 35 tackles, and also a try there. A very lobster-like try. Tony Grimaldi. <laughs> lobster-like. Yeah, Tony Grimaldi. Yeah, lobster. Okay. Yeah, he stole it from Carmichael Hunt in a game <laughs> and scored a try. So that's why the lobster. I've just referred to a Bulldogs legend there. Uh, great uh, game off the interchange bench. I thought uh, mm. played well. Well, he was the best forward in the game. Oh, definitely, no doubt. And off the, the bench. Reason, yeah, the only reason I didn't give him the extra point, and I might sound a bit silly, and you're going to argue this in a second, or you might have say something. In the <laughs> Am I? I'm okay. Is the first touch of the, his game, he dropped the ball and he smacked the Dragons player in the head. It was just drop ball penalty, like, you know, like error penalty. It's just, you know, when you drop the ball and there's old yes. like, take away a penalty after an error, like, because you just compounded the error, made the it double worse. Double whammy, hey? Yeah, double so whammy. He, he did the double whammy. If he didn't do that, he probably was my two points. <laughs> Fair but enough. That's why I did it. Fair enough. I think you're referring to off off uh, just before we hit record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I made a little joke where I said, "Oh, you need some aggression yeah, in your team." Uh, but no, that was wasn't a great moment. But I tell you what, if you pick it on that, <laughs> show you a thousand other moments in that game that we could talk about, or that we don't want to talk about, but um, <laughs> are worse. Anyway, um, the player you gave two points to, and I gave one point to, so bonus point again, uh, is Nick Meany. Uh, a try, nine runs, 132 uh, metres gained for 29 post-contact metres. Um, and then um, an error. There oh, you go. You make an error and you still get the points in, um, <laughs> in a team that's performing this poorly, unfortunately. So um, not much more to say there. Obviously, um, he's one of the more consistently uh, consistent players in our squad at the moment. And you get, it's interesting that we gave points to the two try scorers. Um, yeah. That doesn't normally go, but anyway, that's the way it is. Um, so I'll just read out the top five yeah. or so to give an idea. There was bonus points to Atoni and um, Nick Meany, who is now in second place with 10 points, only behind Luke Thompson on 14. Ooh, uh, this is getting interesting. <laughs> Dallin in third on nine points. And then we've got a couple of players here, Nick Kotrick, Kyle Flanagan, and Jack Everton on five points. Do we... Close this uh, halfway through the season, or like no, round sixteen. No, no, oh, no. we're going to hide the top three to make a bit of announcement. But I don't know. We've got the bonus points in place, so it won't be. It won't get to a stage where it's predictable. Players will still have a chance to get bonus points and come come late. And the way the injuries are going, 
uh, Wakeham's got a good chance he might get up at least pretty high pretty quickly. So Possible. All right, moving on. Yeah, so uh, Magic Rounds this weekend. Mm. Great concept. One city, eight games, 16 teams. Yeah, too Look bad good. it's too bad the city's Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Great concept. Awesome round you uh, awesome round idea. I would personally like this to move around the round eventually in a couple of years' time, like have yeah, a stadium it's Australia. Got, it's got a contract to be at uh, Suncorp Stadium for a little while, which is great, I think, to really build it up. But then after that, let's move it around. Like I could imagine, you know, Stadium Australia, maybe even Perth. I'll tell you what, I see it. After we build it up as in a um into an event for having it at Suncorp regularly. I see it more as an event to be moved around to those places you want to grow. Yeah. It's a, it's a state of origin event. You move state of origin the third game. Or Adelaide not, Oval. Yeah. Get what I mean. One game a year around the place to grow the sport. Same thing. Adelaide Oval hosts eight games over a weekend. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool, actually. Yeah. 35,000 per day, roughly. The stadiums do the same. Even HBO uh, yeah, absolutely. You can move it to Eden Park, I think, would definitely do well with it, um, especially if you're moving it every year or so, not keeping it in one place. Obviously, build it up first, but then after that, move it around Melbourne. How good would that be? MC, oh, you got the Etihad, or Marvel Stadium, sorry, now. Uh, yeah, it, look, it wouldn't even bother me if they played it at Amy Park and sold out Amy Park three days in a row. You know what I mean? Like, it's a bit smaller than... Uh, Suncorp, it's obviously a lot smaller than some of the other major stadiums around, like Eden Park, Optus Stadium, all that sort of thing. But if you sell it out in a modern ground, it's going to look great. It's going to be great. And it's going to grow bigger anyway. So, could, could you potentially, I know we've gone off topic because we're meant to be talking about Bullers and Raiders, but I have a question for you. <laughs> if the event was held in, held in Perth, right? We've yeah. been there. We went there to the, the listeners know we went there to the Nines last year mm. before COVID. <laughs> Could you potentially have it at HBF Park on a Friday, for example, mm. at an Optus Stadium Saturday, Sunday, and have the triple headers at one? The, it's, it's Perth. We know it's a, maybe it's, I was going to say ridiculously small, but maybe because we're used to Sydney, where you have to drive a couple of hours before you get out of Sydney, or an hour and a half or whatever to get out, where we just drove and we actually ended out of uh, out of Perth, sorry, to Fremantle to get lunch, to get back into Perth because it was the easiest way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. a pretty tight area. Like, it's a tight city. It's only down the road from each other. <laughs> well, technically, Fremantle is part of Perth, but you're not going to say that to a local, are you? No. <laughs> um, no not with it's the incredible. teams Look, there as well. I'll say something to you before I answer. I'll say, before we went to Perth, I thought Fremantle was like a, a closer Newcastle, like in comparison to the city, Sydney, Newcastle. Yeah. I thought it was like that Gosford. type of thing, but maybe a bit closer, maybe Gosford Will type of thing. I'll tell you what, Fremantle to Perth is Redfern to Sydney. <laughs> it's ridiculously yeah. close. Uh, anyway, uh, I digress. No, I, I don't think that would work uh, purely because I think part of the magic and magic round is the one venue. Okay, no, I just uh, thought it was just. I think HBF Park holds high twenty thousand. So yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted, you know, yeah. in that small city, like you play doubleheader one night and then the rest at another venue, mm. and could potentially work because the whole Perth, you could say, where NRL's taking over Perth this weekend. Just an idea. It was just a weird one. Thinking you couldn't do it at Gold Coast in Brisbane. It's too far away. Yeah, you. It's if you're taking it to new areas, you want to make it as simple as possible as well. 
you got new people coming to the game for the first time and it's HBF Park one night and Optus another night back to HBF Park or whatever. Yeah. It could get a little bit confusing for somebody that's not a regular one. As watcher. dedicated yeah. as us. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, anyway, we've got the Bulldogs versus the Raiders. I think we're trying to dodge that one a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Talking about it. That's uh, the Saturday afternoon game, 3 p.m., kicking off Saturday, uh, Super Saturday at Suncorp Stadium. It's very similar to the first year where we actually took on the Newcastle Knights being the first game on saturday we are also hosting this as a home match so this is a home match for the bulldogs i'll tell you what it's a really good idea by the club now to to have as many of these magic round games as a home game right now yeah why we're poor when we start getting better then we can go well we've hosted we've, we've given up a home game so many times and um financial point of view we want to we want to keep our home games when we're going good so smart decision there um Canberra struggling. That's what I had on my sheet. Five in a row they've lost. (laughs) There's two clubs imploding from the inside at the moment. One's Cronulla Sharks and one's Canberra Raiders. Both teams that should be playing finals this year. I think both of them are now out of the eight. Oh, a big call. I actually looked that. They are both out of the eight. 12th and 13th. Yeah, good good pickup. You said it confidently. And you backed yourself up. Well done. Uh, but that's what I was going to say. I looked at this game in uh, round one, before round one, before, before the season kicked off, saying, oh, we've got the Raiders at Suncorp as our magic game, magic round yeah. match. And I was thinking, okay, uh, probably a good one. We, it's not a naturally drawing big crowd either. Uh, and then I was thinking, oh, dear, geez, the Raiders. That's going to be a tough one. That's going to be very, very tough. And I was thinking, it's going to be a tough one because – the Raiders will be a top four side, or very much there. If they're not the top four, they're there. There's about they're a win away. There's like at the heels of the top four at the very least. They're they've a been, contender. Yeah, they've but they've been all but they've been very poor uh, for the last five weeks. Uh, they've gotten to positions where they were winning matches and for a couple of those and end up losing them. So then I've gone, wow. Then when you start talking about that, you go, wow, the Bulldogs are a chance. But then I look at the way we're playing. And I think this is the exact game the Raiders need right now. The Raiders need an easy beat. And unfortunately, the way the Bulldogs have been playing, they I think it's fair enough to give us the tags of the easy beats of the NRL. Mm. Uh, I think, sadly, this year, there's two easy beats. Us and Cronulla. Yeah, followed um, closely by Canberra. <laughs> uh, um, uh, West Tigers may be up yeah. there. West Tigers put a fight. They tend to give you false hope every time. So they do give you a bit of a fear and then they just end up losing anyway. But we haven't looked like winning except for Cronulla this year. Um, go back to round one, sorry, against Newcastle. There was a chance that we could have won. But I thought when this game, t- talking this one out thing, I thought, wow, we could actually potentially be in the top eight and then when this game kicks off or a win away from the top eight, we might have been the top team coming 12-1 win away and the Raiders are coming fourth. And what a test would it be for us to see where we're at as a competition, as where we sit when it comes to the top teams. No, I was wrong. We are not anywhere near as good as I thought we would be, and the Raiders are not where they should be. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well there. Um, look, this is a weird game. The final score could be um, Canberra 30, Bulldogs 22, but, you know, Canberra 24-0 at half time because yeah. Canberra's second halves have been... Woeful. 
<laughs> it's been as bad as the Bulldogs have been playing. <laughs> and, um, they get off to quick starts, though, so that should be enough to easily overcome the Canterbury backs down Bulldogs this week. Um, and the Dogs only play one good half of football. So I tell you what, if we can have a good half of football in the first half and stay within like 12 points and then hope that they fall apart again in the second half, then maybe a slight. Okay. Small chance of an upset. But outside of that, I think Canberra will come out. They're under a lot of adversity. They'll come out firing against a team that they know that they're better at. And I feel like it will be, I fear it will be 30 nil in 30 minutes or less, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like it's written, uh, like the Raiders have had a poor season. They've been attacked and we've been kind of lucky at the Bulldogs. We've been spoken only recently how bad we've been, but we've had the Tigers that, have taken a lot of spotlight in Sydney of how bad they are. And then the Sharks as well have kind of taken that off us for a lot part, a long part of the season. And we've been consistently sitting last and we've just been not spoken about until really this week with the Kyle Flanagan thing. Uh, I, yeah, I've got a feeling, I've got a feeling this is, if there's a saying, you know how you just need to win one. If you're in a losing thing, you just got to win one just to get the belief back in the side. Even if, if the Raiders can win even just by two points, it might be for enough for them to start kicking on a little bit and getting better and better each week. But however, I think that I've got a feeling that you might be right. I think it might be like 25 minutes and the Raiders might be up, you know, 24, 30 nil. And we're just, we got nothing with the ball. Like we were just, yeah, yeah implode. Yeah, I think we've summed that up really well, but we'll go for the team list as yeah. we always do. There's a couple of changes this week, so maybe a couple of discussion pieces there. Um, so, yeah, let's do that. Dallin Watelli, or what's the name? Sorry, at fullback. The week is Nick Kotrick, and Tui Katoa comes back into the first grade squad. In the centres, Will Hopawadi and Nick Meany is um, going into the centres because of the injury to Corey Allen. What do you think of that? Don't, uh, don't think I like that, to be honest. I'm not a fan. Wing or fullback for Nick Meany, in my opinion. Uh, I think it just takes him out of the game a little bit, to be honest. In the halves, here's the other interesting one. At 5'8", Brandon Wakeham. And at halfback, Jake Avarillo. I don't know why you move the 5'8 that's been there all year to halfback. And yes, some people will be saying there's not that much difference between the two positions um, these days. But I think that's wrong. I think that's changing again, if you look at the best sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at someone like Nathan Cleary, Mitchell Moses playing both sides of the, the ruck these days, jumping yeah, and around. And you see so. someone like Jerome Lua at 5'8", who just runs more. Yeah, and has absolutely. that off-the-cuff off type of style of play. And Brandon's a halfback as well, not a 5'8", so I, I don't know. Did um, someone ask Trent Barrett who was the halves this week, and he just said Brandon Wakeham and Jake Averillo, and they took that as <laughs> as, as the way they wrote it down, 5'8", halfback. Or did they halfback. run out of the... Jersey sizes are seven or something. Wakeham couldn't fit into oh. it, and Avril could. I don't know. It's got to be similar sizes, surely. So that, that's a bit of a loose scratcher. Uh, up front, uh, Dylan Narbas, Yoli Katoa's the hooker, uh, Luke Thompson as uh, the other front rower, Adam Elliott, Chris Smith, and Rodolfo Antoni finish the um, the lineup there on the bench. Bradley Dietz, uh, Corey Waddell, Ava Sinamanafungo, and Matt Dury uh, on the reserves list. Uh, we touched on Kyle Flanagan's there, Joe Stimson, Aaron Shoup. I think that's how you play And off to Hickey Ogden. Okay. First things first. Uh, the, the other half's very weird. I think it actually puts pressure on Jake Avrillo. 
And it starts to make sense why he's been kicking a lot more recently with uh, Kyle Flanagan's rib injury, which could have been a major reason why Avril's been kicking. If Avril's going to be successful at 5'8", he's got to be the running, the off-the-cuff. Sees something, goes for it, backs himself. He's got all the uh, all the skills to be a great 5'8". Wakem is a much more safer option. And probably, like you said, a genuine halfback. So I think that's wrong. I don't know if, if the way they're going to play, if Wakem's going to play like a halfback and take pressure off him because he hasn't been playing. I don't know if it's a ranking type of system. The number seven's the best half. The number six is your number two at the moment. I don't know. Like, cause it, just trying to figure out why. Because I would have had Wake If you're playing Wakem and Avrilo, Wakem seven, Avrilo six. So I can't think of that. Uh, Nick Meany, don't like it. Just feel like, like you said, I would have, I don't know, it would have been almost better. I think maybe Dallin playing in the centres and all that. Uh, one noodle scratch I actually have is Trent Barrett saying last week that Dylan Harper was no chance of returning this week and then named him in the starting lineup, like not even on a reserve list. So I don't know if that was, if he was just frustrated last week and said, he said he was gone for another week or two on top of that one. And they said, so he won't be available. He said, no, he won't be available. So, so maybe that means we're going to see a lot of changes before kickoff. Yeah, potential be... changes and that sort of thing. But I don't know if Trent Barrett was so upset he just didn't care and just said no. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's not available. But another thing is too. I one we think I think one thing that can help our season or help at least performances, maybe not us winning many more games, is Michael Maguire said a speech on the. Uh, through the week, saying a lot of senior players are letting down the West Tigers. And he said that, but then he dropped three people who were under under 21 of the week and left all the senior players. I'm starting to have a, a think that if we said, hey, the senior players are not pulling their weight, we can blame Kyle Flanagan all you want, but I tend to agree. We could put Jonathan first in his prime and halfback, and we're probably still sitting last. Yeah, it's a forward issue. How long have I been saying that? Yeah. The issue with the Bulldogs' hards at the moment is the fact that the forwards aren't winning the ruck. And poor Nick Kotrick can't get a decent ball mm. on the wing or when he plays He's center. doing all his yardage is coming out of uh, his yardage. All his metres gained is the hard yardage runs out of um, his own half or he gets the ball with no time on his hands. Yeah. That's, that's all he gets. He doesn't get set up at all. He doesn't get any early ball. So I've just got this feeling... I mean, I'm not trying to bag any players, but I don't know, maybe to put a rocket up them or, you know what I'm saying, or, or put a bit of fear. We can keep saying that uh, we've been let down on the forwards. We keep saying every week, you know, it's a forwards thing, a forwards thing. I always got a feeling that if you drop players, like to me, when there was conversations earlier this year, oh, you need to drop Jack Avrilo. I remember he was off target at the start of the year. And I was like, what's that going to do to the team? Mm. Like, it doesn't send a shockwave, a 21-year-old 20, a or whatever being dropped into reserve grade. That happens all the time. That's a part of development, going in and out of top grade sometimes. And then going back to reserve grade and seeing how you carry, how you react. It's a part of like a character test sometimes. As being told that you're the, you're the uh, one of the better players, but you know, you're just having a poor form. Go down to reserve grade. Start getting some confidence back. And we'll bring that confidence back to top grade. It happens in a lot of sports where... You know someone is very talented and very good, but then you just need their time in a lower division or lower grade or whatever you want to call it to get back up. So my point is that it it wouldn't shock me. Then seeing Kyle Flanagan been dropped, you keep forgetting. Sometimes you feel like he's twenty six or twenty seven. 
how long his name's been out there. He's only 22. So well, again, we, we, we did a bit on that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So it's not, but it's not a shock though. Like a 22 year old being dropped in grand scheme of things. If he's dropped off, it's uh, letting him rest for a few weeks or whatever it is. It's not a shock. That happens all the time. Players that age get dropped all the time. What I would like to see is I would like to see Trent Barrett make a big call. And I'm not, I don't know if it's because of injuries and all that, but I would almost put a line through Hopawadi and Napa for a week. Origin yeah. player, Tongan International, they both played a lot of games. They both uh, both won a premiership. They both know what the point at the end of the season feels like. But could you imagine what it would be if you named a team list on Monday or Tuesday morning and saying these two guys are not going to be playing this week? None of you, you know, mm, you got that yeah. rocket up you. I've got a feeling like, yeah, yes, you need senior uh, players, but... That example goes back to Josh Morris and Bryson Goodwood got dropped for, I think, yes. two, two or three weeks. Yes, uh, I think they got dropped and were told that they were dropped for two or three weeks. Well, however long it was, I think they were told yeah. previously well, that no matter what they do, they're down in reserve grade for three weeks to get their attitude right yeah, and um, get their confidence back. And they killed it in uh, reserve grade, and when they both they both came back up together, when they came up together, they killed it in the NRL because they had poor, their confidence. Poor Tim Lifey, who actually took the spot of Josh Morris, was playing pretty good football at the time. He was doing a really good job at centre. And he was, like, his first game, like, he came into the side again. Not his first game, but his first game in back in the top grade replacing Josh Morris. Pretty sure he scored a trial too. And, you know, people are like, how can you drop this guy? But sometimes you're going to make those tough calls and say, hey, you're down here for a few weeks or you're down here until you start putting two or three good games together. Mm. And you can have your spot back. Your spot's there. But then it also gives a young player a go. But then again, I, it could be injuries. Uh, I'm pretty sure Aaron Ship can't play. Uh, I don't know. We have to get special exemptions for him to play because he's not in the top 30. You look at our prop uh, stocks. Ogden hasn't set the world on fire this year, so he might be reason why Napa, you know, still on the side. You've got Jack Harrington, who's still suspended, that, you know, could actually help with that type of call when you're going to make that big call. Mm. When they're sitting on the sidelines, that could be it. But I don't know. You know, dropping a 27-year-old, like very young 20-year-old or whatever, it's not going to send shockwaves because that's normal. You know, you've come in when yeah. you debut. Sometimes you play one game and then you're not back until like 10 weeks later when an injury or another opportunity presents itself in front of you before you start yeah. playing. Look, so, I think it's it's almost time to move on from here. But um, Kyle Flanagan has copped it, as you said. Um, but like I was saying to someone last night, even the great Sedona Broman got dropped. Yes, he did. Shut up, Kyle. <laughs> we'll go to lower grade watch. We'll move on. We'll go to lower grade watch. Uh, round nine, the Dragons 28 defeated the Bulldogs in the Jersey flag 22. Round 10, the Bulldogs are having a bye this week. So a week off for the Bulldogs, and they're currently sitting in fifth spot after, after nine rounds. The Harvey Norman Women Premiership, uh, it was a top-of-the-table clash. However, the scoreboard did not reflect that. The Mounties, 44, defeating the St. Mary's Saints, 6. After, at round 10, the Harvey Norman Women Premiership are also going to have a the buy. So the Mounties are having a buy there in the Harvey Norman Women Premiership. They're currently sitting in second spot. Round 9, New South Cup, a very interesting one with the COVID regulations coming in. Uh, the recommendation was for all teams to rest or withdraw their players in the top 30 to miss the game so they could become so they didn't get impacted or if any injuries were to happen, that squads wouldn't get impacted in future games with the Sydney 
well, the outbreak or the one or two cases what came out of this with the stage three. Uh, so the uh, St. George at Laura Dragons 36 defeated the Mounties 22. A lot of uh, Bulldogs experience had to be uh, was taken away from that game. And the Mounties also have a bye this week in round 10, and they are currently in round five, oh, currently in round nine, sitting in fifth, uh, sixth position, sorry. So that is your lower grade watch. Fantastic. And that means there's one more uh, segment for the show before it's an end. Uh, we've got <laughs> this week, we've got Old Dog. This week, got, I got a, a favorite. I like this player. I'm surprised he didn't play more games in NRL. Uh, former Canberra Raider, Canberra Bankstown Bulldog, and West Tiger. It's Jamal Alisi. He's going to be Old Dog this week. He played 68 games for the Raiders for 32 tries before coming to Canterbury for uh, 44 games and 20 tries. He played in a successful 2004 uh, season. Unfortunately, he wasn't there in the grand final, but definitely a massive part in the Bulldogs' premiership chase, playing a lot of centre and wing for Matt Utai. Now playing next to Hazel Majuri. Definitely could find a try line. Before in 2006, moving on to the West Tigers, he even played two games for New Zealand in 2004 and 2005. So we'll take credit that he's a Bulldog, even though he's played less at the Bulldogs than Raiders. He played for New Zealand while being at the Bulldogs and only the Bulldogs. Yeah, look, that's a good one. I'm glad you didn't get me to guess because I don't think I would have guessed this one. But I remember yeah. I remember J- uh, Jamal Edward Loessi. Um, he was it. one of my favourite players at the time too. He didn't last very long off memory uh, at our club. Two, yeah. uh, Two years, but uh, oh, I might be remembering this wrong, but it's a fan favourite. He's, he's a favourite of mine while he was at the club. Uh, I even liked him when he played for Canberra. I remember watching him play for Canberra, going, I really like this guy. And then we signed him, which was even better. So, um, you know, fantastic stuff. Um, I don't know, something about him, I just liked watching him. Yeah, he was sm- smaller built, quick. He played a lot of right centre that year next to Hasmore Majuri, but when Matt Utai went down a few times, he played on the left wing for Matt Utai. Uh, there's some tries back in the 2004 season where they were very skillful. There was tries where he ran around to opposing wingers and blitzed them for speed and just ran the length of the field. I, there is a few of those. There, uh, uh, Brent Sean, I think, enjoyed playing with him. A lot of uh, try assists coming off the boot from yeah. Brent Sherwin to... Jamal Lissi, unfortunately, like I said, never got to play the grand mm. final. Uh, however, what ben a Harris, backup. What a backup, eh? Backup. Like, Christ, today, he's a superstar. I know, but <laughs> I'm just saying, you see Melbourne Storm, City Roosters, next man up, that type of thing. That's what we had back then. Yeah, How good. Um, and good he was versatile. He was just as good as at centre as he was at wing. Yeah, but imagine, you know, like we said this before, imagine playing the New South Cup against the Bulldogs. At that stage of 2004, there could have been a week where you had Ben Harris, Jamal Wesley at centers. You could have had Jamie Feeney, Dennis Scott, Hutch Miava in the in the props, Rennie Matua at the stage coming in and out of top grade, playing. Uh, imagine versing that. You'd be like, that's an NRL side just sitting there. Yeah. That's an NRL side probably would come around almost eighth, just sitting there in the New South Cup, so the next man up type of thing, which the Bulldogs had back then, where, you know... You lost Matt Utai, and this is a massive compliment, John Alicia. You, you lose Matt Utai, no worries. We've got Jamal just sitting in this South's Cup yeah. this week. How you, wouldn't was... say, you wouldn't say you lost nothing, but you'd, um, 
you'd be well equipped. Yeah, and then Paul, um, you know, you had Ben Harris who played center as well. They were different styles, but both of them were bloody good. You could almost flip a coin between them two who could come in when you needed a center. Yep. So, yeah, I I don't know. that That's actually a really good way you put it, the next man in. We had the perfect next man in type of thing. I don't know. I absolutely loved watching him play. He was definitely a fan favorite. You know, wish he could be back now. I wish we could, you know, go back in uh, back to 2004 and just pinch him in his current form. Take him away, just whoop him, and then put him out now for Canterbury this week. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, wrap the show up with the um, socials. Yeah, our Twitter is at NRL Bulldogs fans. Instagram is at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. Our Facebook is just NRL Bulldogs fans podcast. And we have an email, nrlbulldogs.fans at gmail.com. All right, hopefully next week we're talking about a win. Bye, guys.